Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. Order. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live once more from Westminster's College Green with yet another instalment of the ongoing soap opera. Does anybody here actually have a clue what the hell they're doing? Last night there was more farcical nonsense in that building behind me as Parliament and its 650 MPs supposedly took back control and once again did nothing with it. It was a resounding no once more to a customs union, no to a common market, to no to a second referendum and no to the SNP revoking Article 50. It's an absolute debacle. So it's back to square one, it would seem. Today the Cabinet is meeting to figure out what to do next. They're being forced to sit in a room with Theresa May for three hours and possibly another two hours with some more civil servants. I think I'd rather be waterboarded in Guantanamo Bay. So it's back to square one. As usual, we'll be attempting to unravel that ball of wax that is the confirmatory vote, the meaningful vote, the indicative vote, and all just the ordinary vote, where, do you remember, 17.4 million people actually voted to leave the European Union. 0344-499-1000. As usual, we want to hear from you, the sensible people, on what we should do now. There's only eight days until we don't leave for the second time. Uh, we're going to count down to that point as well. Ross Kempsell's here with us, our political editor. We'll have a whole host of MPs telling us why they voted the way they did, why the customs union is the best idea since sliced bread, and with some other people who think the customs union is an absolute disaster. Don't forget as well, the top civil servant in our country has warned that if we go out of Europe with no deal, we will actually risk the security of our nation. We will risk food supplies. We will risk Northern Ireland going back uh, into a paramilitary state. This is the same bloke, by the way, that advised Jack straw to invade Iraq, so I wouldn't take too much of what he says on board. 0344 499 1000, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio, live from Westminster, in the most historic week in politics since last week. The fallout, the fury, the future. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are in the tent of shame on College Green uh, down in Westminster. It's a bit of a grey day down here today. Not an awful lot of excitement going on. Uh, The Cabinet is meeting, uh, has been meeting now for about two hours. They've got at least another hour to go. God knows what they're talking about for three hours in there. Uh, But presumably they're trying to come up with a plan, uh, whether it's plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Uh, I don't think they're going to emerge with anything other than egg on their face, from what it seems to be. Uh, We've got Michelle Barnier now saying, basically, a no-deal Brexit is becoming more and more likely day after day after day. After day, uh, we've got the top uh, public uh, civil servant in this country telling us that no deal is an incredibly dangerous road to go down. I can't imagine why he would say that unless, of course, he's trying to help out Theresa May, which, of course, he's not supposed to do because he's meant to be neutral in these matters. It's all a bit confusing, isn't it? But uh, thankfully, uh, we had a bit of light relief there from John, who wasn't in Italy at all. He was, in fact, in Islington uh, trying to explain to us precisely what's going to happen over the next few months. I couldn't make head to tail of it, uh, but that's no different from anything that comes out of the Palace of Westminster behind me. I'm happy to say, though, uh, we are 
are now joined by a man who's hoping uh, to explain it all to us. Robert Courts, member of the ERG, Conservative MP for Whitney and West Oxfordshire. Robert, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome morning. to the Tent of Shame. Um, now, are you one of those ERG guys who votes with Theresa May or doesn't vote with Theresa May? Uh, so the first two times the withdrawal agreement came before the House, I voted against it. Last time I voted for it. OK, and are you similarly uh, d- disappointed that you did that? Because we're already seeing some people, we saw one yesterday, uh, suggesting that he was going to go back the other way and actually vote against it again. Yeah, there's Richard Drax, of course, uh, you know, made that uh, statement in the House. Um, no, I'm confident I did the right thing. I mean, it was a very difficult decision for me, as it has been for everybody, and I understand how Richard yeah. feels. You know, these are matters where many people have uh, made a very strong statement, made a big stand, really analysed it in detail, mm. um, and it's quite difficult for people um, to go back on that. But I formed the view that given the options that we have now, given the manifesto commitment that we've got to respect the referendum result and to leave, given the fact that most people prefer that's done in a organised compromise fashion um, that the withdrawal agreement that's on the table now remains the best way to do that. Right. It's not ideal, I mean, I've got a lot of concerns with it, but... Well, that is the trouble, isn't it? People are all voting for things they don't really want, and they're voting for things they don't really like, and it may not be, um, you know, so uh, understandable, I suppose, from the point of view of people outside of Parliament, that that's what Parliament does a lot of. I think what we're yeah. discovering as days go by here, we're seeing more and more into the workings of the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. And I think a lot of people didn't have any idea that that was how it worked. That, you know, on one hand, you could say, as, as Jacob Rees-Mogg did, that this is the worst deal in the history of deals. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he turns around and says he's going to vote for it. You know, people are struggling to, to kind of cope with that kind of understanding of the way that politics works, that you can say one thing and then do the complete opposite. Well, I think it's more that, um, I mean, you put your finger on it, it's... You, Politics, as always, is a hackneyed phrase, but it's true. It's the art of the possible. You yeah. know, it's it's compromise. Um, you have to find the way through based on the situation and the facts that you have in front of you. Mm. You know, you can't really be ideologically pure. Um, you can have a set of views about what you would like to see out of a process, but it's not just you. There's a lot of other people who are involved, and not just that. There's also a, a world outside where people are also taking action and having views. Uh, And so there is always inevitably some change. And what you have to do ultimately is have an eye to what you're trying to achieve and then find a practical way through. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, nobody seems to have that conversation before the referendum was actually come up with because you have the rather sort of ignominious uh, position of having taken over from David Cameron uh, in Whitney. He's now uh, no longer the uh, the Prime Minister. He was the guy that came up with the idea of having a referendum. I mean, was there no conversation with the Tory party about what might happen if uh, Leave actually won? Because it doesn't seem as though that ever happened. Well, again, you, 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 as you've noted, it, uh, <laughs> I wasn't uh, here at the time. No. So it's difficult for me to give you much of an insight on that, I'm afraid, because, of course, I came in being the first post-referendum MP um, for the reasons that you've, um, that you've just mentioned. Mm. I... It's difficult for me to say. I, I would be speculating. I don't know what conversations took place in government at the time. Um, I'm not the, just talking about government. I'm talking about within the Tory party, because the Tory party at the moment is in grave danger, I think, of, of sort of ripping itself asunder because of the different views on Brexit that people have within it. Yeah, I mean, we have to, as a party, just look at uh, at everybody. I mean, this has been a big issue for the whole country, where for 40 years we've never been quite happy being in the European Union, but equally we're not sure whether we actually wanted to leave. Um, and we've, got to, we've had to make up our mind at some point about what part we were going to play in this yeah. project, and that's the process we're going through now. So it will be difficult for the country, and it will be difficult for the Conservative Party as well, because there is that range of views within it. But the Conservative Party's always been a very strong electoral uh, organisation and very strong in government precisely because it has that range of views in it. Um, but I do think that it everybody does... not very strong at the moment, though, does it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult time for us. You know, I, I, of course it is. I mean, uh, Theresa May but... can't even get her cabinet to agree on anything, never mind the party, never mind the, the whole parliament. I think we will get there, but the process is uncomfortable, and I know it doesn't look great to everybody from outside. I mean, I I accept that, Um, but sometimes uh, the nature of a democracy where you're dealing with very big issues, this is a constitutional thing, it's a big historical um, event, these things often have to be robustly debated uh, and argued, and that's the way that you come but to But an awful lot of ultimately. what we're seeing, and I'd speak not for everybody outside of Parliament, but certainly for the people that listen to this show and who contact me and tell me what they're thinking, what we're seeing is no particular kind of order of events. We're not seeing any particular kind of a progression, if you like. I mean, you may be saying something different to me in a moment when you answer this, but we're not seeing as if you're getting anywhere. You know, you're having these uh, meaningful votes 
nothing's happening. You're having these indicative votes, which don't seem to indicate very much at all. Um, you know, for the second time last night, everything was voted no rather than yes. You yeah. know, there isn't anything anyone's coalescing around. Even if the numbers are getting closer, they're still not winning. Well, I don't think the indicative process was ever a very good idea. No. Um, it was constitutionally novel, uh, and I think we've seen the failures in that. Uh, I, I think we shouldn't have done it, but there we are. It's happened, mm. and as you've noted twice, the House has said no to all the options there. There is one thing that the House has voted on in a positive way, which has got a majority, which is, of course, the Brady Amendment, yeah. which is the withdrawal agreement as it stands, but with alternative arrangements to deal with the backstop. Yeah. And the backstop's always been the big issue here. It's been the big issue for Conservative MPs. It is for the DUP as well. And if there were some changes around that, that would, I think, clearly... But part of the problem with forward. that was but the definition of alternative arrangements, wasn't it? Because nobody knows what they are or what that even means. Yeah, I mean, well, that was probably deliberately phrased in order to give enough... Uh, Riddle room because, yeah, well, yeah. not so much vagueness, but to give flexibility because you don't know what the government may or may not be able to go off uh, and negotiate. And it was intended as a setup to what's called the Malthouse compromises, um, which I have always thought offered us a very clear way forward. Um, but you know, there's no point crying over spilt milk. We are where we are. What you are seeing though is a slow movement towards the withdrawal agreement. You, you have seen, yes, it's been defeated, um, but it has been defeated by a smaller margin each time. Right. Each of those John Rental so was there just, is some movement. There. Yeah, John Rental was just here with us uh, from the Independent, saying that he doesn't think that there's ever any chance of a No Deal Brexit happening. Is that your view? I think it's unlikely. I, think, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're in such uncharted territory that you could find that time contradicted by that. By well, I mean, to be honest, most politicians that come and sit in the tent here uh, are very reluctant to make any predictions at all on the basis yeah. that nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, the EU are saying that a no-deal Brexit is getting closer by the day. That's what Michelle Barney is saying this morning. Um, Theresa May is constantly warning uh, that if her deal doesn't go through, there will be no Brexit, i.e. she's not particularly suggesting, I don't think, that there's going to be a no-deal Brexit. Um, we hear from the, uh, the chief uh, uh, civil servant this morning that a no-deal Brexit would be a disaster, which seems to me to be slightly un, um, sort of unusual language from a civil servant. I mean, yeah. because it seems to me that that's a political statement. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people out there would quite like a no-deal. Yeah, they would. Uh, and I think we've got to try to find a way forward that is that takes that brings the starts to bring the country back together and starts to you know. Get, get us towards a compromise. Um, yeah, but what do you think that's going to be? Because a lot of people after last night's uh, shenanigans think a customs union style um, sort of addendum to the current deal uh, is what people want. The trouble for me, uh, and I say this in, in all sincerity, is that we get such conflicting reports of what would be good for the country in terms of a customs union as, as, as supported by people who support it, who say it would be brilliant, and people who don't want a customs union say it would be the worst thing ever. You're one of them, aren't you? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm pretty strong on a... Uh, I'm, I'm, there are a number of compromises that I would be prepared to see, and one of those would be around the single market. I yeah. do think a customs union is a very bad idea for a number well, of reasons. Well, it's not Brexit, is it? Um, well, leaving aside whether or not it's Brexit, I mean, no, I don't think it is, because the European Union is a customs union, first and foremost, and I think to leave its single most important feature, but then to buy back into it, I think it probably isn't Brexit. But leaving that aside, because I don't think we should be making a decision upon, you know, whether it conforms to the definition, I just think we should look at whether it's a very good idea. Mm. I don't think it is. Right. Um, you know, what you're talking about, if you're part of a customs union that you're not a member of, when you're not a member of the organisation, is that you are subcontracting your entire external trade policy to a body that you're not part right. of, that doesn't owe you any favours, that you've just decided you want to leave. Mm. Um, so you have no trade defences, right. you don't have an independent trade policy, you are only dealing with a fraction of the issues that cause friction at a border, so you're not even achieving that. Um, and you know, worst of all, if the European Union is off and it's negotiating a trade deal with a third party, they can use the UK's economy, the fifth largest in the world, as a bargaining chip, but you don't get guaranteed reciprocal access. Yeah. I can't see how that's a good idea. No. Um, you know, but how is it possible that so many people behind us in the Palace of Westminster think that it is? Well, you'd have to ask them, um, but uh, you know, a customs union primarily is a political idea. It's a political tool. You use it for the purposes of integration, uh, and if you want to keep us very tied to the European Union, then that's something you would do. Um, some people would say that they see it as something which helps with frictionless trade, just-in-time supply chains and so forth. I don't think that's right because the customs union deals with only a very small amount of the issues that cause friction at borders. Uh, and it also affects the trade say. that you do with everybody in the world rather than just the EU, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, when we're looking at even on the European Commission's own figures, uh, you know, the vast amount, I think it's about 90%, I mean, 
I may be wrong on the figure, but it's a vast amount uh, of growth in the next decade is going to be outside of Europe. Yeah. You would be saying we're not going to be able to sign free trade deals with those guys and Europe's going to ha have control of our trade policy. Mm. So if there is something that's important to Europe but not important to the UK, well, you know, you've signed over your control no. of your policy to well, that. Well, I mean, that to me is as fair uh, an assessment of why it's a bad idea as I've heard, to be honest. So thank you, Robert. Uh, indeed. Robert Courts there, uh, the successor to David Cameron, which I'm sure he wouldn't like me to keep repeating because uh, he's the guy that got us into this mess in the first place. 0344 499 uh, is the number. Uh, we'll take more of your calls coming up no, next. No, no, We may never know There's enough surprises here to keep us going Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green in Westminster. The rain uh, is threatening us. It's looking very, very dull. It's looking very, very dark. Uh, but it's still not as bad as sitting in a room with Theresa May and the rest of her cabinet. They're going to be stuck together for three hours today, minimum, uh, trying to work out precisely what to do next, whether no deal is going to be dangerous, whether any kind of deal that she's putting forward is going to get passed in the House of Commons, possibly later on this week. Right now, though, uh, we're going to take the temperature of our audience because you are the guys who always make the most sense. And if you are scared, of a no deal. I'd love to know why. Uh, 0344-499-1000 is the number. Let's go to Jerry, uh, who's in Herefordshire. Hello, Jerry. Morning, Mike. Great show. Morning. Thank you very much indeed. What would you like to tell us? Um, yes, this minister on about this no deal, what would happen, the yeah. doomsday scenario. I remember I was a paramedic and I was officer in charge. And uh, I remember we had this in the millennium where the traffic lights wouldn't work. All the street lighting would be going yes. off. Computers would crash. Right. A minute past midnight, and what happened? Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> That's absolutely right. We planes were going to fall. Life. Planes were going to fall out of the sky. I seem to remember. Exactly. Uh, we had months and months of that drilled into us. My my car that I used to drive round in had that many notes in it. I didn't have hardly any room for my medical kit. That's another story. <laughs> but I mean, so so you're so the people you work for. So the people you work for took it all terribly seriously, right? We took it all seriously, and I'm sure the government are planning for just such a scenario in the background that we, the mere mortals of this world, don't know nothing about. Well, that's right, because they're terrified that if something did happen and they didn't tell you it was going to happen, that they'd be the blame. They'd get the blame for it. They get the blame for it, no, no doubt. Yeah. The other thing, Mike, um, I'm obviously one of these 17 million that hasn't got a brain cell that voted <laughs> to leave. Yes. I'm sick and deaf of this referendum for another people's vote, another people's vote for this and that. We should honour the vote that we took. Right. Also, I don't remember ever handing uh, an MP of any uh, particular hue, whether he be Tory, Labour, Independent, TIG, you know, DUP, you know, UKIP, whatever it is. I don't remember giving them the absolute and utter right to dictate to me how they carry out the wishes of the people. Correct. Mm. Uh, and a lot of them aren't even carrying out the wishes of their own constituencies. No, that's Those right. Those voted to leave and they're staying, oh, no, no, we can't do that, we can't do that. Right. But th th that's fine by them, Mike. It's like the lad that resigned last night. He's resigned, yes, he's still getting paid. If I was to resign, I'd be out of a job. Yeah, exactly. He's resigned. I know. He can, he can still sit there and get his money. The other thing, they get a pension for life that they never, ever pay into. It's very good being an MP. I think I'll take it up myself. Well, I think you should stand, absolutely stand, against whoever it was that is not carrying out the wishes of the people from your constituency. Great call. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With Rapier Sharp Instant Reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. This ain't no technological breakdown. Oh no, this is the road. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are in an ever more a damp uh, and wet tent uh, down here in Westminster's College Green. Uh, the weather has taken a bit of a turn for the worse that I've just been told uh, by Angela Eagle, uh, Labour MP, of course, for Wallasey, uh, that I should have looked at the uh, weather forecast before I came out. But, you know, I didn't. I just couldn't. I didn't have time. Angela's joined us now. Angela, welcome to the tent of shame, as we like to call it. Um, I've just had Robert Courts in here, right, who has the rather ignominious privilege of uh, re re replacing David Cameron uh, in the Whitney constituency. Uh, and I put it to him that uh, obviously this is all David Cameron's fault. Um, he, on the other hand, though, unlike you, thinks the customs union is the worst idea anybody's ever had. And he's just given me actually quite a good explanation of why he thinks it's really awful. 
Um, my problem with this whole debate is that whenever I see people who are convincing, there's somebody equally convincing on the other side. So as, as a member of the general public, how are we supposed to work out which one of you is right? Well, firstly, there are no easy answers to the referendum question. No. It was partially because the people that were in the Leave campaign concentrated on getting people to vote Leave, and they deliberately didn't put forward any view of how that should be done. Mm. Um, 45 years of economic integration is very difficult to disintegrate without it having a, 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 a very bad effect on, on our economy, and that's what people are trying to wrestle with now. But... But Anyone again, who tells you there's an easy answer to mm. this is not really being no, truthful. No, but this, I mean, we're kind of beyond that now. It's not about what people voted for and why they voted. It's about how we get from point A to point B, surely, isn't it? Well, that's true, but I think what we did need to happen after the uh, referendum results, uh, we could have done with the then government actually planning for both that would have been a happen. good idea. And, and the fact that they didn't do that was a huge dereliction of their duty. Yeah. I think we could then have done with a Prime Minister who wanted to have a big national debate about how we would do this before she triggered Article 50. But what she did was uh, basically trigger Article 50 before she had a plan. She hadn't brought the country back together or discussed some of these issues with it, these, these uh, things that you have to put uh, one against the other. Uh, and then she called a general election. So she's been very partisan all the way through, and, and the nation has got more divided rather than less divided. I think even she's wishing that she divided. hadn't done that particular last manoeuvre. Well, I think that she was 20-plus percent ahead in the polls, yeah. and, and she thought that it would make passage of her Brexit stuff easier, but actually it made it a lot harder. Yes. And what's happened in the meantime is that people have just become entrenched in their positions. Now, I always like to think about Mary Wilson. You won't remember her. Oh, Harold, I remember Mary Wilson. Harold Wilson. I know I look uh, young, but I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> she died last year, aged over 100, and she was famously uh, anti-common market when Harold Wilson was arguing that we should go in. Yeah. She was asked a few years uh, after she'd campaigned to stay out whether she'd still want to come out, and she said, oh, no, dear, you can't unscramble eggs. Mm. And what we're trying to do at the moment is unscramble eggs. Yes. It's very difficult. It is very difficult, and nobody seems to have the answer uh, as to where we go from here. But it's also the problem for me is that I was at a, a debate last night at the Media Society where we talked about how it's about more than Brexit now. It seems to be about more... Uh, than just one issue. It's about more than whether we stay in Europe or leave Europe. The country has become so divided and so fractious and so intolerant of each of each side of the argument that it's almost dividing the nation in a really, really, I think, quite dangerous way it in the dangerous. sense where, um, you know, there's no tolerance for, for other people's thoughts anymore. Uh, some extreme views are, 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 are getting more and more support. You know, um, we appear to have... Um, you know, one group of people who look down on another group of people, people identify themselves as to whether they remain or they leave. Mm. You know, it's all horrible. It's really horrible. And it, and it does tend to an anti-democratic and rather alarming uh, sort of destination yeah. that carries on like that. It which does. Is why we and really, it's your... You, I mean, you guys really are charged with sorting this all out, Well, what we Well, what we really need to do is to try to build a consensus rather than... Uh, go to the extremes in either argument. And that's why, for example, last night I voted for all of the uh, things on offer, despite the fact that I've got issues with the customs union, that I have issues with Common Market 2.0 and all of those things. I do happen to believe that crashing out without a deal would be catastrophic and it would cause the GDP in my region, the Northwest, to shrink by 12%. So I don't want to inflict that on people, and I think it's essential that we work together to avoid that. And I increasingly at, at any cost, though? Well, there's a cost in crashing out without a deal. But well, there's a cost in this nonsensical kind of merry-go-round of nothingness, though. Well, I think in the end, uh, what, what we have to do is try to come to a compromise deal, even if it's the Prime Minister's deal, and then put it back to the people. I think that's the only way that this can properly be done. That's where I'm heading now. Are you one of those who wants to do that because you really secretly don't want to leave the European Union? No. You hope that people will vote to stay in it? Not really. I mean, I think that people deserve a vote now they're in much fuller possession of the facts of the consequences one way or the other and they then get to choose between the status quo which is remaining in the European Union or actually the Prime Minister's deal which gets us out of the European Union but uh, keeps us connected but can in you, ways But for example, if you were to offer that to the public, don't you think you'd also have to tell them what remaining means? 
like what's going to happen in the future. We talk a lot about the future being an unknown, but actually the future for the European Union is an unknown. So if you remain in it, you don't really know necessarily if that's going to be good or bad either. Well, no, I mean, we can't predict the future I mean. completely. But, but, but you we, can predict a bad deal, but we can we can predict um, a no, what would happen with a no deal. And in fact, a lot of people have done so in terms of... Well, how of can they predict that? Well, um, if you actually look at some of the civil service planning documents which have uh, been put in the papers today, you'll see... I've seen all that, yeah. Uh, and, Quite and frightening. It, it is frightening. Sounds very political were, to me, that. Well, no, the civil service aren't political in my experience. they not party political. They do their jobs in an objective way. And they're looking at the integration of our supply chains, where we get our food, our medicines, and all of those things from. Do you from. think it's responsible to tell people that the food would stop coming into the country? Because it's rubbish, isn't it? Well, I think that there would clearly be... You know, Kent would turn into a lorry park. Well, we, Kent's we a lorry know. park about every <laughs> we, second or third week, if we, you ever go down there. We know this, uh, and I think that... I mean, there's a go-slow right now in the customs office of Eurostar in Paris, so... You know, we haven't left yet. That's just the sort of thing that happens all the time. The French go on strike every August. Well, uh, that's 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 just some, one of that's, that's something that happens. But we still managed to go on holiday there. We still managed to get well, there. We still managed to buy champagne. I don't think anyone's saying there wouldn't be holidays. But uh, the issue here is our uh, economy and how integrated it's become with the uh, European Union, and disintegrating that would cause a one-off shock which would shrink our economy on a bigger scale than happened in the 2008 global financial crash. Maybe. No, I think... I You're think sure? I'm, I'm pretty certain looking <laughs> at... Well, looking at what uh, people have said and the... Yeah, but, I mean, how, it's all, it's, but it's all a prediction is my point. Yeah, but let's put it this way. Um, I have uh, one of the uh, largest car factories in the country just up the road many of my uh, constituents work there they've already been massively impacted by the prime minister's decision to leave the single market uh, it means well the car business is in the toilet though isn't it in fairness for, we all know for that. A various for, for various, various reasons nothing for various to do with brexit reasons, some of which are to do with brexit some of which aren't but the um outcome of all of that is that my constituents are losing their jobs yeah well and we've that, got to do something we've got to do something to start some more businesses up then we do, we do, uh, but... Instead of arguing about Brexit. I think everyone's thoroughly sick to death of the arguments about Brexit. Yes. But the problem is that there are no easy ways through it and there's not enough discussion and willingness to compromise so that we can find a way through it. And that comes from the top. The Prime Minister's responsible for that. Yeah, Jeremy Corbyn is too. But we're out of time, unfortunately, uh, because he's it's midday. He's not the Prime Minister, though, yet. No, but he is the leader of the opposition, and he's not helping because he's not cooperating. But we haven't got time. I'd love to have more time with you. You'll have to come back, too, so that we can get into Happy it Happy to, if you can arrange the weather. I'll try so and make sure the weather better. improves and dry my jacket out as well. Angela Eagle, thank you very much indeed. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. Order. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are, of course, in the Tent of Shame. It's very damp, it's very drizzly, it's very windy, it's quite cold. There's nothing much happening down here in Westminster. We've only just been told a bit of breaking news. Oliver Letwin, apparently, has no plans to bring back any of his indicative votes tomorrow. So once again, uh, we are counting down to absolutely nothing happening. Uh, We were hoping something was going to happen today, uh, but there's a cabinet meeting at which they're discussing how to announce that nothing is happening. Uh, They will announce that later on today, as indeed has Oliver Letwin. Uh, So now we know that nothing's going to happen tomorrow either. Um, But we'll be back here nonetheless to talk about nothing happening uh, and when it will actually finally count down to the moment when we don't leave the European Union, which could be any time next week, possibly in May, uh, maybe two years down the road. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea, quite frankly. We're all getting a bit sick of it. I mean, I want to go on holiday soon. Uh, It's Easter, isn't it? After all, uh, 0344-499-1000 is the number. Uh, We've got lots more to do. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk to Alistair Burt MP, uh, find out what he makes of it all. Uh, This is, of course, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the only place uh, to get the truth about why nothing is happening. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Now, you might think a customs union is a good idea. You might think it's not a good idea. You might think leaving the European Union without a deal is a good idea. You might not think that's a good idea, or you might think it is a good idea. Uh, I'm quite confused now about what I even want to happen. Uh, I just want something to happen, really. Alistair Burt is here with us. Uh, he is Tory MP, of course, for North East Bedfordshire. Uh, Alistair, welcome to the Tent of Shame. Thanks, Mike. And thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, can you make something happen, please? There's two things I want to happen. Firstly, I want something to happen. I want it to end. <laughs> Uh, really, by and large now, that's where most of us are. Yep. I reckon we're in tune with a large number of your listeners and the country in general, yes, possibly think, the world. I think that's absolutely right. The world certainly would like it all to end. Uh, I can't imagine what we'll do, though, when it does end. We will keep we talking about it. We won't be celebrating, it. will we? Yeah, I will keep talking about it. Some uh, months ago, I produced a, a, a tweet that said, when the apocalypse, uh, apocalypse comes, all that will be left at the end of it will be ants and conservatives talking about Europe. And Theresa May. Uh, who is May. indestructible, as we've now absolutely, discovered. Absolutely, absolutely. Like the walking uh, dead. Indestructible. <laughs> but she is working, he said, trying to bring it back to some sort of serious. Yes. She is working very hard to try and make both these two things happen. Something happen and bring it to an end. And that's the serious side of it. But I can only begin to understand the, the frustration of people who are listening uh, because it, it's shared by us here. We're very serious. We know we've been given this very difficult job to do through the referendum. We're trying to do it. And we're as frustrated as people are that we can't find And an the answer. difficulty, I think, for you guys as well, and I do have some sympathy for you. There's not a lot of sympathy out there for you, but I do have it for you. Because I know that um, many of you are very hardworking guys and very hardworking women, uh, and you're trying to make it work. But there is also a sense that there are some people over there uh, in the Palace of Westminster who are deliberately just trying to stop it from happening. And that would appear to be what the hold-up is in many ways. I think there are uh, a number of colleagues who didn't accept the result of the referendum and feel that the longer it goes on, the more likely it is to go back. I don't share that opinion, and I don't think that's where the bulk of colleagues are. I know there's been a rift going around recently saying, talking about the Remainer Parliament. It isn't a Remainer Parliament. If by Remainers they mean people like me who voted to remain in the EU but have now accepted the result and have voted to leave more often than Jacob Rees-Mogg and Ian Duncan Smith, I don't think that's a Remainer Parliament. So there may be some, but the vast bulk do want to leave. But we all have different ideas about the best way to leave. I'm very clear that leaving with an arrangement, with a deal, is the best thing. I agree with the Prime Minister. I voted for her deal. I voted for Ken's custom deal last last night. I voted for Nick Bowles' arrangement last week because I want there to be an answer. I think there are a number of reasonable answers that most people could compromise on, but that seems to be the difficulty at the moment. Well, it is a difficulty, and unfortunately, compromise is what you guys are supposed to be good at, Um, but it appears that in this particular instance, it doesn't appear to me that there will ever be a compromise. I mean, I had Robert Courts here a minute ago uh, who took over from uh, David Cameron, the Whitney constituency, uh, who is very much against the customs union. He made a very eloquent discussion of why he was against it. It's saying that this is why it's not really about leaving the European Union. I can't imagine why anyone would want to vote for that. Similarly, maybe guys like yourself and others who have voted for the customs union say, well, actually, this is a good compromise. So for the public, it's really hard to work out who to believe, you know? I can understand that. Um, for me, as someone who wanted to remain in the EU, the fact that I'm now voting to leave represents quite a big compromise. Uh, Most of my, well all my political life we've been in the EU. I've worked with it, I have friends in it. 
it's quite a big thing for people like me to accept that many people in the country have never been reconciled to it. That's part of what the vote was about and we have to do something different. So I think that's quite a big compromise. That means I can work my way around customs union, single market or anything else. It, it's not what we had but I can go with it because we're leaving the big political institutions. We're leaving the European Parliament. We're not paying the money. We're leaving the common agricultural policy, common fisheries policy, all this. I think that's actually quite a big thing that, that we're doing. So others have got to find their way to compromises as well. Okay. And what do you think will actually now happen? Because I know that's a very difficult question to answer at this moment in time. But, well, I mean, Easter is approaching. The Easter school holidays have begun for some kids. My kids are off as of Friday. Um, some uh, colleagues of yours have told me privately that they are planning to go on holiday as of next week. Um, others have said, well, we're not really sure because there could be a, council of, uh, a European Council meeting going on. Uh, there could be yet another deadline coming up. Others have said there's no deal. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. We're at least into May before any kind of agreement can be reached. I mean, have you got any clues at all about any of this? <laughs> it depends which Easter you're talking about. I mean, we've got uh, this Easter, Easter next year, yep. Easter the following year. Yes. I mean, you're still going to be here. This yes. is uh, this is all going to be on. But it but it'd be a different thing if we can get the withdrawal agreement done. Then we get into other form of negotiations. So there will be conversations about Europe going mm. on. No, we we've written off the uh, the Easter Easter break because we must stay at this. Um, and there are some quite genuine. Uh, family issues in that. I've got colleagues with young family, young yeah. children, uh, those who are in London, their uh, families are in the uh, in the north of England or in other parts of the UK, so they don't see them during the week. Holiday time really matters, as it does to any mm. working family, and they've booked and they've made arrangements and all that, so these have all had to be canned. It, it's one small thing, but maybe that also acts as an incentive. There's no one here who deliberately wants to see this go on. People have got strong principles, but we all know that the weariness that's affecting the country is reflected in uncertainty in business, people not making investment decisions they, they need to make, businesses not sure about their trade arrangements and all that, uh, citizens' rights, you know, people being concerned, people abroad about their health care, various things are, are, are cropping up. So we know we've got an incentive to try and get things over the line. Do you detect a change in the atmosphere inside the House itself in terms of perhaps, uh, you know, after the referendum there were those, I mean, there was immediately a petition started for people who wanted to have another referendum to see uh, whether it could be won by, uh, by Remain. Um, is there, a, I mean, genuinely, can you feel as though most people now are resigned like you are to leave it? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I think the majority are. I think the majority of those who voted to remain like me are in the position where I am. That's why they've been voting to leave and want to find an arrangement. There, is, there are some who don't. The atmosphere in the place is, is not good. Um, people have been very affected by, uh, you know, by resignations recently. Nick Bowles, obviously, was a cause of upset last night because we, we like Nick. He's a good friend and, and colleague. It's got very Is he out of the tense. party now? Is that it for well, him? He's, he's chosen to leave the parliamentary party. Lots of us are saying, stay with us and come to our meetings, come to the things that we do together because we don't want him to be um, left adrift. This is, this is wrong. But the atmosphere is not great because people have had so long talking about it, have now got themselves into such entrenched positions. Yeah. Social media doesn't help and some of us can't resist rising to the bait occasionally. We see something we know is really pretty bad and we've got to get out there and say, I can't have people believing that is the view of the Conservative Party, so we put an alternative out there. So it's pretty tense, it's pretty tense in the Labour Party. None of this is doing doing a great job for it's us. It's not doing a great job for the country really either because collaterally and the collateral damage that's being caused all around everywhere uh, in society is, is really shocking to see to be honest so how do you keep yourself sane do you do anything other than uh, talk about brexit do you ever you know just go home do and we think, have a life uh, uh, yeah can you have a life outside of brexit uh, yeah. is there life after brexit uh, well I, uh, well so far we haven't seen that i mean and i, I don't know what time scale you can put on to life after brexit Let, let's in my see case that. about another 20 years i think probably not <laughs> but, much more <laughs> but, for, but for the meantime yes depends where you are i i represent and live in the the rural constituency i represent in in bedfordshire mm. um i've got seven non-league sides five of them in the spartan molten league uh, who are all competing with each other. Three teams in Biggleswade. Non-league is great. I still follow Berry FC from my childhood, the team that I've supported all my life, who are pushing for promotion to, to League One. So there's football, there's running, 
uh, there's family, uh, there's granddaughter, there's pugs, there's all sorts of things mm. that make your life worthwhile. There's Cote de Rhone at the end of the day. Yeah. These things. Well, still there won't matter, be much eh? of that coming very soon, will it? Because according to the chief civil servant, it's all going to go horribly wrong, and we're not going to get any French wine anymore. We're going to have to sort of work out a special <laughs> exemption from that. I'm looking yes. at the Cote. De Start stockpiling the it now. Cote de Rhone codicil, which I'm working yes. on with some colleagues right across the It's got to be done. House. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a favourite year? Uh, <laughs> not this year. <laughs> Uh, so more or less any year that they've bottled and have available. Yes. That, those, those are my favourite okay. years. All right. And uh, as far as the cabinet meeting goes today, we're still waiting for the puff of white smoke, uh, which people always say to me, you should never say, uh, given the DUP's organised uh, uh, chaos that they're causing. Um, any clues as to what they're going to come out cabinet with today? They've got to come out with a decision. I mean, it's clear from everything we know from uh, what's in, in the press, there is maybe three camps. Uh, there's a group of colleagues who I think are not just relaxed about no deal, but would actually like it. Uh, there's a group of uh, my friends who are very, very against a no deal for all the reasons you've just been talking about. And then there are colleagues in the middle who are thinking, what's the best way through this and all that. But the Prime Minister has got to get them all to say, this is what we're going to do, and really come to some very sharp decision and consideration about what she will ask the party to do. Otherwise... You know, we just we just continue to go on. She's worked really hard to get something that the majority of us can get round. It's still true that her withdrawal agreement has more votes than anything else, and it has more conservative votes than anything else. But at the end of it, we've got to make sure we're working as a parliament for the country as a whole. This isn't a party issue. And who so, do you think succeeds her, finally? I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm always disappointed not to be in the 47 runners and riders that come up, and you wonder what you've done with your life, that you're no... You're not yes. in the Sunday newspaper Well, I mean, there are, I think there are going to be plenty of MPs after this is all over who wished uh, that the scrutiny that they've been under for the past two or three years hadn't ever happened because <laughs> a lot of people were pretty anonymous inside that building over there for many, many years, and now nobody is. No. I think um, whatever ever happens, uh, someone will emerge to, to take on the opportunity. I hope it will be somebody who's got a broad reach. I hope it's not someone who is terribly factionalised on one side or the other, someone who can appeal to the public at large and try and remind people that for all they complain about politics and everything, our party structures matter. It is the vehicle in which Parliament works and gets things done. And it's very easy. things are very easy to tear down. They're very difficult to rebuild once you've done that. And we start to see this with the fracturing, the polarisation of people's anger and things like that. Um, we've got to make very sure that whoever comes forward is able to put these issues to one side and concentrate on other things that matter to the country, uh, to health, to economics, the problems with crime, the relationships with many people abroad, the foreign affairs field and all that. Uh, and I'm quite sure we will find the individual who can do that. Sure. Alistair, thank you very much indeed. You're Alistair Burke, uh, have a nice uh, week, whatever uh, comes of it. Uh, tomorrow, we won't be seeing any uh, uh, indicative voting, apparently, from Oliver Letwin uh, and his side of the, uh, the divide. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Fair order on Talk Radio. Now, look, just because we've got a Scottish band on, it doesn't mean you can sing along with it. Christine Jardins here from the Lib Dem, spokeswoman for Scotland, of course. Famously, the answer to that question, as given by Chris Evans, who now does the Virgin Breakfast, uh, is because you live in Glasgow. Yep. That's why it's always raining on you. Were yep. you? Yep. Well, I'm, Glasgow is where my parents are from. It's where I spent a great deal of time, uh, as well as Edinburgh. So we are fellow travellers on that one. But it's raining here like a, like a good day in Glasgow, just I have like to home. say. Just like home. But unfortunately, I'm not dressed for it. It's very cold as well. Now, tell us, uh, Christine, you're here from yep. uh, the one party that actually has a solid policy on the yep. European Union, which is, of course, to stay in it. Yep. Um, what's going on over there behind us? Because uh, it looks like a pretty quiet day, uh, but there's sort of moves afoot, it would seem. Oh, it's a political swan over there. It looks like a quiet day, uh. but underneath, everybody's running about busy, talking to one another, looking for a way out of this. Yeah. Because what we want is a compromise that will get the country away from the cliff edge. Yes. Because at the moment, I, I, I can't imagine anybody would want us to go off the cliff edge. So that's well, where we one are at the two, moment. And, well, there's one or two, but we won't talk about them. <laughs> but, um, but um, you know, there, there are moves afoot to come up with something. What I would like to see is, and I know coalition's a bad word, but if you remember, you, you put eight people in a room and they talked it through and they came up with something. I would like to see some people get in a room 
and talk about all the things and come up with a motion or a composite of what we've voted on so far. Because I think that's the basis of iteration. Yeah. You go through different iterations and say, well, that one didn't quite yeah. work. How do we change it? I, mean, I must say, it? over the period of time that we've been in this tent, which is quite some time, we've had a few seasons in here now. Yeah. Um, for, this, for the first time, I'd say today, funnily enough, I don't know why this is, but for the first time, I'm seeing more and more MPs in here talking about compromise, yeah. which they haven't really done until this moment and I wonder whether it's the indicative vote process or whether it's just the, the fact that we've been doing yeah. this for so long seemingly with no real result you know the hard line sort of red lines if you like seem yeah. to be merging and disappearing maybe I think um, it's a combination of the things you said I think maybe there were MPs in there who, who genuinely thought that their side could for want of a better win yeah. we'll get the votes we'll get this through uh, When that, whereas that was never really going to be the case it was always going to have to be a a compromise, a sort of composite of motions that would get things forward. And I think, finally, um, everybody is, is aware, I don't know how we couldn't be, of, you know, we don't have any more time, we're actually in extra time yeah. now. Um, we have to Well, we've passed March the 29th, which was March meant to be the deadline, yeah. wasn't it? We're still um, no further forward. To some extent, I think this is the debate that we should have been having two years ago before we even triggered Article 50. Yeah. I wasn't here at the time, um, uh, so I, I don't know why they didn't do that then. But this is the debate that should have been had before we went to the European Union. What is it that the representatives of people think the country would accept? Mm. Go to the European Union and then go back to the country and say time has moved on circumstances have changed to see what the reality of the deal is is it still what you want instead of which we've you know it's been chaos right up yeah i mean i'm not a fan of that kind of touchy-feely let's have a national conversation type conversation however i think in this case that's what was required it would have been quite a good idea from day one after the referendum which everybody thought was going to be remain and it turned out not to be and nobody really knew what to do and david cameron walked off the stage and everybody went oh right okay uh right and, you know, literally nobody knew what to do. I find it staggering that the, the numbers of very clever people in Parliament yeah. just really was, were completely stunned. I, I think a lot of them have not got over that. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, I was stunned yesterday, I have to say, when nobody had managed to put together, um, although it was Friday when I found out, a composite motion already, mm. which said, well, what if we take this from here and that from there, and then we put it back to the people and see if you can get support there. Put the things that people, you know, we've, we've basically we've had three propositions put forward by MPs. One, well, four, one is no deal, but revoke Article 50 if we can't find a deal. Go back to the people with whatever deal you have and, you know, stay in the customs union and the single market. Why can't we put the three of them together? Why can't we say, let's, you know, let's find a way that brings together people that they have the areas where they have common ground and get um, a vote through. I don't want to leave the European Union. As you say, our policy has always been that it's the best place for us. There isn't as good a deal as the one we've got. And that before we leave, the people should have the final say. But that means there has to be a deal. And I'll be honest with you, if the Prime Minister stands up there tonight and says, I tell you what, we'll make it subject to a confirmatory referendum. A lot of people, including myself, would vote for that. Yeah, and of course, the people who would argue with you about that would be those who voted to leave, uh, yeah. who are now being told they were idiots, they were misinformed. They're not idiots. No, they're I know, but a lot idiots. of people are saying they are. You know, I have a lot of conversations with these guys, and they're quite hurt, the men and the women who voted yeah. to leave. They don't wish to be branded bigots. They yeah. don't wish to be told that they didn't know what they were doing. They don't wish to be told that we have to leave with a deal. They don't wish to be dictated to by the parliamentary yeah. democracy that we have, yeah. because they think they were given the right to vote, and they think we should just go. That. I think we should try to get away, the par- you know, in Parliament, we should try to get away from giving any impression that what we're trying to do is dictate. What we're actually trying to do, or what I would like to do, is go back to the people and say, right, is this what you actually want? Now, that means whether they want to leave or whether they want to stay. If more people still want to leave once we know what the deal is, then we accept that because they've had the right to vote on the deal and a majority have still said yes. And I think that's where, that's why I can't understand why um, some Leave MPs are so set against it because if it's a deal that they are confident is good for the country, 
Why are they not confident to go out well, I think the and problem, argue that again? Well, I mean, you know the answer to that. The answer is that they believe that we gave the people the right to have the referendum and to make that decision. Yeah. We, That's uh, nearly three years did, ago now. Yeah, yeah, but you all stood on, 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 well, I don't know whether you did, but certainly the Labour Party and the Conservative Party stood on manifestos which said that they would enact it. Uh, that they would do the people's will. They didn't say it will be complicated, so we'll have to do it in a variety of different no, ways. No, we stood on a platform that said when we have a final deal, we go back to the people and see if they still want it. Yes, but you didn't do very well at the election, though. Um, we did better than we had done in the previous one. But that does not and say more a lot, is it? and more people now actually agree with us. <laughs> and democracy, it's a development. Yeah, it is. It's, it should, Especially when you lose. I mean, it's got to keep going ah, on but, until you win, hasn't it? Ah, but we, no, we don't have a general election and say, well, that's it, we've got a Conservative government. We don't have another general election. We see. No, five but you years let them get less, in first. Yeah, you do. You don't go, actually, we'll have another general election well, because we we'll don't like the fact that you won. Well, it. we've let them um, negotiate, if you like. Let, I don't, it's not a word I like, but they've had time. They've had three years now they've to negotiate it up, a no deal. Doubt. And they've messed no it up. No question. And they've let the people down. Yeah. And now the people, I believe, have the right to say, you screwed that up. We, you know, we either don't want that deal or we don't want to leave. We want to stay. And I think that. That's the point we've got to, and I think politicians have got to accept that sometimes, particularly in the moment, the lack of any kind of compromise up to this point has been a failure, and we've got to stop mm. it, and we've got to find a compromise. I'm going to leave you one, one last thought, which is what uh, Leave voters always say to me. Why is it that we have to vote and win twice to leave the European Union, but if you want to stay in it, you only have to win it once? No, that's, that's not the case, because I think we should have, you know, if you're going to change something, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, your deal with the EU or any other thing and you have a vote on it, you go back and you confirm it. When you go to buy a house, you think, that's the house I want, let's do a deal. But when the deal's finalised, then that is when you actually make the decision about whether or not the deal is the one you want. And it should be anything else. You don't make a blind decision in life. You wait until you know what the details are and then you make the decision. Yeah, but sometimes you still make the wrong one. Well, I mean, how I many houses possibly. have you bought that didn't turn well, out to be what actually. you thought? Oh, <laughs> of course. Uh, Christine Jardin, a very uh, pleasant Lib Dem woman from Edinburgh. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.